Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Jeff Williamson about managing time, values, and priorities. Dr. Jeff Williamson, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much. It's always a joy to be involved in a great conversation. And uh, with us having done this a previous time, I'm always grateful when someone is kind enough to have me back. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you back. We we had a great conversation last time. I'd encourage listeners to go back and check out that in the back catalog. And uh, today we're going to be continuing that conversation. We're going to be talking about managing time, values, and priorities, both individually and as a leader for our teams uh, as we lead organizations. And we're also going to talk about that, you know, more broadly in terms of how it plays out in the shifting nature of work and uh, changing kind of trends that we see in the workforce with, with our human capital. As we get started, I wanted to share Dr. Williamson's bio with everybody. Dr. Jeff Williamson is the founder of CMG Group, an executive coaching and people development practice. Prior to launching CMG in 2017, he was a dean, executive director, and professor of organizational leadership, serving in higher education for over three years. He is the author of Power of 168 Shaping Moments and regularly teaches and speaks on topics such as discovering your strengths, building a strengths-based organization, personal leadership, leadership paradigms, leading change, coaching, mentoring, and conflict resolution. He's a Gallup certified strengths coach who holds a master's degree in speech communication and a doctorate of education in leadership. He is certified in fundraising management by Indiana University and many, many other accomplishments and great things that you've done in your career. Anything you would else you would like to add by way of your background or personal context before we dive on Thank further? Thank you. Thank you. I think that's quite enough, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so as we get started, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit broadly, zoom out, and, and okay. really, you've been in the space for a really long time, both as a scholar and a professor and as a practitioner. Um, what are some of the overarching big shifts and changes that you've seen over the last several decades in terms of the shifting nature of the workplace and how human capital is utilized? And then we'll zoom in and talk about how, you know, really what that means in terms of um, time, value, and priority for the modern workforce. Sure. Well, there's plenty there. Um to say the least. I, I think one of the things that came to my mind when you were thinking about how the workplace has kind of shifted even over the last couple of three decades is I think if I go back earlier in my early career years, I think organizations, even back in the 90s, early 2000s, were quite a bit quicker to view people as being pretty expendable. 
and I don't like that at all, as you could guess. Um, I, I think, it, you know, there was a time there where it was so, and I love process, I love systems, I love efficiency and all those kinds of things, and I still talk a lot about those to people, but I think at that point, we, we were so wrapped up in the systems, the efficiencies, and everything that we were sometimes just grinding out good people and really not growing them and investing in them in ways that we would if we didn't feel like they were expendable. And so, you know, that that is something that I think has really been there for quite a long time. And with with, with a lot of difficult, painful things we've learned over the last couple of years, I think we've also, uh, I hope, I think, <laughs> we've stepped back and looked at the wellness and the mental health of our people and what inspires them and what engages them and what's worth their time and what is not. And I think we've done a better job to understand that for all these great systems and technologies and things that we do, we're dead without our people. And I just believe that so deeply that I think that's been a win of the last couple. It didn't just start in the last couple of years, but I think it had the volume has increased related to the engagement and wellness and uh, really respect and, and appreciation of our employees. So I, 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 I think we've shifted from more of a just a pragmatic, you know, if you don't want to do it, somebody else will kind of mentality to hey, let's talk about what makes your work worthwhile and meaningful and what, what do you love about your assignment here and what kind of things, not so much. <laughs> and, and we really want to know. And I'm not sure back then we really wanted to know that much about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said, none of, none of this is like new. It's been around for a long time. But the question is how much priority did it really receive? uh amongst leader you know in terms of leaders attention and in their teams and, and what they were going to really be focusing on um and you know obviously it varies across organizations uh and even today you still see many organizations unfortunately that still treat their people the way you just described in really expendable kind of ways but over time the shift i i completely agree that the shift has happened um that more and more, particularly with millennial and, and Gen Z workers, they just, you know, th that's not going to float their boat and, and they're not satisfied with that. And so they, they just expect something different. And if they don't, if they're not getting it, they're going to move on. Now, currently, of course, we're in, you know, the middle of this great resignation, as it's been termed. Um, and that's not unique or limited to millennials or Gen Z's. It's, it's everybody, like everyone's taking stock and, and really assessing what matters to them. And they're making choices accordingly. And, you know, that that's forcing many organizations to go back to the drawing board and to rethink how they're treating their people. Are they treating them as expendable? If, if they are, I can almost guarantee that they're going to be, uh, experiencing much yeah bye bye they're going to be leaving soon if they haven't already yeah they're going to be dealing with much higher turnover in those organizations where there's no kind of purpose driven connection between what the people what their people are doing and the work of the organization and and so that kind of a shift over time you know you go back even 40 50 years ago and you talk about people oh, yeah um who would go work for an organization and work most of their career if not their whole career at an organization move up in that organization and uh it, it was a different mindset 
Now, certainly there's still people that do that. And there, you know, there were people back then that still moved around and did different types of jobs. So, you know, we can't, if we're painting with broad brushstrokes, obviously we're going to oversimplify and, and there, there are caveats to all this, but, um, generally speaking, uh, you know, in the aggregate, people didn't seem to care as much. They were willing to go in and punch a time clock and go in, go in, come out at the end of the day, do work that was fairly mind numbing, meaningless work, but they had job security and they had pay and they could then go home and enjoy their families. Like that kind of a work atmosphere, that kind of a workplace doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, in, in certain situations, I suppose it does maybe, but largely it just doesn't exist anymore. And, and so people just, they need to know that what they're doing is making a difference and mattering in some way. Uh, that doesn't mean that everyone needs to be uh, doing philanthropy work or whatever, people can find meaning and purpose in all sorts of work uh, as a construction worker, as a real estate agent, as a teacher, as whatever. Right. Um, but the point is the, those organizations that are, tr are actively trying to help their people connect their values and find fulfillment, meaning and purpose in their work. Those are the organizations that are attracting and retaining better talent, uh, especially in, in this current atmosphere. Absolutely true. And, and I, one of the things I was thinking about related to, you know, even going back 70s, maybe even 80s, um, but certainly before that, where there were a lot more people who, as you described, would go to a job they maybe didn't really like. Uh, maybe they didn't, maybe they hated it even. But again, it was stability, it was it was income, it was take care of my family, and those kind of things. And those are all still very important. I think at times that in those years or in those eras where we were not that far removed from world wars and Vietnam and a lot of really hard, difficult things, that I think people's uh, uh, mindset was kind of like, oh, am I actually entitled to to have a job and a career that I enjoy, that I love, that I'm passionate about. I don't know that we maybe asked for that as much as we do now. And that's not at all a criticism. I just think that, that you know, you think back to, uh, you know, the boomers or even uh, since then, that I'm not, a, I saw a quote one time that I loved. I, I wrote a couple of blogs about millennials and I loved them. And that's the title is I love millennials. <laughs> and, I, and one of the things that I said in there was, I think that they're they, referring to millennials, or I call them 20 somethings because I, I don't want it to be a connotation. I think they've just had the courage to ask for things that we've wanted for generations. And, and it's just now come to a point where they're able to say, you know, I'd really like to have some aspects of my work include these things that would add to the meaning, that would add to the sense of teamwork, to add to the sense of purpose and mission. So, you know, I don't know all the whys or what fors, but I, I think that comes into play some that back then, uh, you know, a few decades ago, I mean, folks maybe didn't quite realize yet that they were in a place they could ask for those things or they could make those requests and say, you know, this work is not meaningful to me. And that breaks my heart because I, I want for everyone to have the opportunity to do work that means something to them. Is it going to be 100% every day? Well, of course not. But 
75, 80% of the time, if we can do work that we believe in, that we, we, we know it matters and it's making an impact for good, man, that's a whole nother ball game when that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so that kind of a mindset shift and, and in some, in academic circles, at least, it, you know, we talk about it as a shifting psychological contract amongst uh, employers and employees. So all of that kind of a shift has happened over time. And that manifests in the in how we go about our daily lives, both our personal lives and how it then connects with our professional life and what we do at work. Um, so let's now shift gears and spend the rest of our time talking more specifically about managing time, values, and priorities, both as an individual. So I'm trying to make the most of my life, my career, but also as a leader, how am I going to not only do that for myself, but for my team and create a really dynamic environment where everyone is going to be able to thrive? Yeah, I mean, I literally yesterday was in a weekly meeting with a coaching client that I have, and he's a, a co-founder of a company that started about a year, year and a half ago. And they're in that fun mode where it's like they're growing quickly, they have a lot of work, and they're trying to figure out how they scale, how they keep up with the demand and not over hire and cut into the revenues and all those kind of things. And so we were talking about that very thing is... Uh, managing time, how do we prioritize projects, which things can go from, you know, a lead person in a company to a staff member, and getting them ramped up and onboarded to the point where those things can be handed off. And I think, especially for newer companies that are scaling and growing, which is great, um, there can still be those challenges, like how, what do I spend my time on as a principal in this firm, uh, as opposed to, what things could an intern help me with? What things could a part-time contract staff member help me with? And so um, as we grow and have success, that's that's kind of the other side of the blade as I refer to sometimes is we have to figure out those ways of how do I manage my time? What are my true priorities? Meaning the things that only I can do. Um, and what are things that I enjoy, that I can do, that I could do, but other people on my team are capable and able to do that because I need to focus my efforts differently. I think one of the best pieces of advice that I had early on in my career, actually my first professional job right out of college, out of uh, grad school, uh, the, the president passed me in the hallway one day and it was just kind of one of those informal check-ins. Hey, how's it going? How you feel? How you feel? You settling in? Those kind of things. And he paused and he said something that I quoted countless times and he said remember do first the things that only you can do and then go from there in terms of prioritizing your day and your time and your schedules and I was like man I think that was the first time I'd ever heard that and I thought genius do the things first that only I can do and then partner and collaborate or or share those other duties that I can do, but maybe it's not essential for me personally to do. So, so that was a good piece of advice I passed out uh, many, many times, but it didn't originate with me. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, 
It is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, I like that. And, and I, I, I think about that kind of piece of advice. I think about some of the stuff we read in some of Covey's early works um, in terms of those priorities. Uh, I, I think all of that speaks to the, the need, the necessity of us really recognizing and understanding what matters most to us, what's our individual value proposition, you know, in the workplace. Um, and, and then and then really capitalizing on that. Um, like you said, we, we all do things that we don't like to do. Uh, you know, there, no job is, is perfect in that way. We all have to do various tedious tasks or grunt work or, or things we just, you know, perhaps we're even good at, but we just despise and we hate doing. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it, tax, taxes, exactly. So we, yeah. we, all, we all get to do those things. Um, that's not what we're talking about. But if we, if we know what our bread and butter is in terms of our unique value proposition as human capital, um, then we can focus on those things first and not get sucked into the trap of chasing our tails and running around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to constantly just be reactive to all the stuff that's happening all around us all the time. It's so easy to get sucked into that mindset. I see it all the time. It's one of the things that coaches work on with coaches probably the most uh, is just to really to, to focus in and, and, and what matters most to you. What are your priorities based on your core values? What's your unique value pro proposition? And then let's focus on that first. Uh, if you do that, then other stuff starts to take care of itself. Not always, and you're still going to have difficult things, and you're still going to have to do things you don't like, and there's still going to be difficult conversations and all that kind of stuff. None of that just magically goes away, but when you start to align your your time with your values and have those inform your priorities, then a lot of those things start to work themselves out. As you've referenced, the different times mindset is so important. I um, have started in recent maybe in the last year or two, you know, when I meet someone that I didn't know before, I am intentional to not just say, what do you do? And that's okay to ask that. But I've tried to ask better questions that lead to that inspiration, that motivation that we're talking about in human capital is I, I met, I'm connected with a gentleman um, probably a week, 10 days ago that I just met briefly, but I thought there's a, there's a, talented, fascinating guy that I want to get to know better. So I ran into him at a coffee shop and invited him to come over and sit down and said hello. And, and instead of saying, what do you do? Uh, I said to him, what gets you up in the morning? And sometimes I'll say, what makes your heart sing? I'd love to hear about that. Because 
people don't usually expect you to lead with, hey, what are you passionate about? What, what really inspires you? And when they when they, they get that question, most of the time people have plenty to say. And that was how that one played out when I said, you know, what gets you up in the morning? It's like, well, and we had this wonderful conversation, hour and a half, two hours that was rich and deep and meaningful. And at least in part, it was because I didn't just say, well, what do you do? Oh, okay, cool. I do this. What's next, right? We, we tap into those things that are more the why that are the, the, the motivations and the inspiration of that. And that, that, that's such a difference maker for me personally. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you help people really recognize and uncover their core values to drive their priorities? Because, I mean, maybe that sounds obvious and, and, and people are sitting there thinking, of course, I know what matters most to me. In my experience, though, people don't always know what matters most to them, <laughs> um, right, right. or you know, or they kind of think they do, but they do, you know, they've always just done it that way, or you know, society's told them that that's what's supposed to matter to them, or you know, there's a, a thousand different influences on you know why people do what they do, and I'm not convinced that most people have actually taken the time to truly kind of be introspective and, and sit with themselves to really understand what makes themselves tick and what they value. So, you know, how do, how do you help people uncover that? Well, I, I often jokingly, but seriously call myself a curious George. So I try to graciously just ask people a lot of questions, you know, so if I lead with what makes your heart sing and they say, oh man, I... I love the arts or I love music or I love history or I love, you know, whatever that thing is. Then once they tell me something like that, then I can just dig in a little deeper and I say, well, could you tell me a little bit more about that? When did that, when did you first really feel inspired by that? Or when did you, when did you start loving that? You know, a lot of times I'll go, oh man, I've, I've always, I've always loved history. I've always read about the civil war or read about world affairs or whatever that might be. And so I think if we ask better questions, uh, sometimes we're going to be able to start peeling the onion back a little bit and say, wow, that's fascinating. Where did you learn that? Or who got you started in that? Were, were your parents in music or were your parents historians or were your parents architects or engineers? What, what got you first interested in that? And, and I kind of, when I meet people, whether I know them well or I'm just getting to know them, I really kind of treat it like, a, a sincere, authentic interview. I want to really, I'm learners, one of my top Gallup strengths. So I really like to learn and to know those very things you just mentioned of, of what inspires them. What, what is above and beyond just what they might do to pay the bills or what they might do for a professional life. But it's like, Hey, that's great. Well, what other things bring you joy or what other things are you passionate about? I started a, um, uh, recent class, uh, our undergrads here where, near where I live at the university, um, night one, we spent a bunch of time in breakout groups and talking together, a group of about 20, and I started with the question, what are you passionate about? What is something that you care about deeply, whether it's a cause or a nonprofit or, or just some aspect of your life that you say, hey, you know what, that's really, really important to me. And man, when, when you, you cut loose 20 plus people who are 20 somethings and they start listing out on, on flip charts on the wall, the things that they're passionate about that are important to them that they care about, man, it was fantastic. And, and it's just to 
give people that opportunity to say, what's, what's really, really important to you? What really gets you up in the morning? What really inspires you? Or what, what are some people that inspire you? Obviously, we, we have a great opportunity this month to honor Dr. King and, and to recognize the things and the, the model and, and how we were inspired. And um, I just think it, when we ask that and give people space and time to really fully answer, it's amazing what we'll get when we, we really have those conversations, or at least that's, that's been how it's played out for me. Yeah, I, I love that. Some people are naturally introspective and curious and constantly asking questions of others and themselves, others not so much. Um, so that's one of the things we can do as leaders is just be genuinely yes. and authentically curious about our people, yes. ask them right. questions, give them a chance to talk and listen, like really sincerely yeah. listen um, yeah. and, and pay attention. And when we can do that, we can help people really recognize what matters most to them and kind of shed the baggage of like external expectations of, you know, maybe they, they're doing something or they think something's important because that's what they're told is always important by their friends or their family or society as a whole or whatever. And sometimes those things matter and are important. Other times they just don't and, and we can let go of them and then move on in a healthy way. And so I think all of that, you know, as we connect with our values, those inform our priorities, that's going to allow us to be much better time managers uh, and be able to make the most of our limited time because it is a scarce resource. We only have so much to go around and we'll burn our, yeah, we'll burn out if we're constantly yeah. trying to do more and more with less and less. And, and so we have to be mindful of that for ourselves and for those around us. Well, Jeff, it has been a pleasure again talking with you. We could continue on and on, but I need to let you go here in just a minute. So before we close for today, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your, your work and how they can get connected with you and give us the final word on the topic for today? Well, thanks again for having me. It's, it's, it's joy each time we've had conversation. And, um, you know, the thing for me, which is really at the heart of the, our conversation today is, is these different, are these different ways that we're able to have authentic, meaningful connection with people in our workplace and our relationships. And for me, that has been to ask those deeper questions, to give space for listening, to really let people know that what they do or, uh, or provide to our organization, it matters, but that's not all they are or who they are. And so we ask those, those questions of them and sincerely listen, it's amazing how we can connect and, and really, you know, grow together as colleagues and coworkers and those kinds of things. Yeah, well said. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Jeff can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? 
Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.